Recovery Elevator, episode 180. I think the thing that pulled me through was that sense of I'm, I'm not alone. There are other people that go through this. There are other people that are doing what I'm doing and feeling how I feel. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. According to the Recovery Elevator sobriety tracker on my phone, it's been 1,395 days since my last drink. On today's podcast, we've got Craig. He's from Stirling, Scotland. He's 40 years old. He's been sober since September 21st, 2016. In his interview, he says this time he's seeing things differently. And after the interview with Craig, I'm going to talk to you guys about day one, the most important day of your journey. Even though it might feel like, hey, I've had my fair share of day ones, they're all equally as important. Okay, let's get started. I know a couple podcast episodes ago, I said episode 180 will be around the why. The why I drank. The whole drinking is but a symptom of it. And I did get to the root of this cause. But, well, I kind of stole the show in episode 170, and I really only need one sentence to explain the why. I was the unheard child who cared a lot about what others thought about me. And that's it. I'm sure I might dedicate an episode or more on this topic in the future, but that's the skinny. I was the unheard child who developed some mean people-pleasing skills to ensure everyone around me liked me. But in this episode, I'd like to talk about this. I'd like to talk about Recovery Elevator, what it is, where it's going, the private groups, the meetups, and what it all means. So nearly four years ago, gosh, I cannot believe it's been that long, I created a podcast for accountability. I didn't care who listened as long as I stayed sober. And if I stayed sober, then mission accomplished. It's all worth it. And in the back of my mind, I said, if people listen and I can help people along the way, then that's a total bonus. Fast forward to today and wow, I didn't see this one coming. So at this current moment of recording it, I've had 1,947,677 downloads from all 50 states and over 140 countries. Holy shit. In fact, this recovery podcast is in the 97th percentile of all podcasts on iTunes. That's really cool. But perhaps the most amazing thing that's been created through this whole project is the community. At times, I just put my head down and moved forward. But recently, I feel like I pulled my head out of the sand, looked around, and just said, wow. I look at the communities. I think back to the in-person meetups. I get like 20 to 30 emails a day. You guys are incredible. So what is this and where is it going? So currently we are at 180 episodes. That's one episode for 180 straight weeks. Wow. Thanks, Paul. We uh, couldn't figure that one out on our own. That's 75 weeks straight before I saw a single cent. 125 episodes before a sponsor signed on to sponsor the show. How did I make it this far? Well, at first, I just showed up. I continued to show up. That's half the battle with everything, especially sobriety. In fact, the success of this podcast mirrors a successful recovery approach. Just show up over and over again. And guess what? You are a part of this podcast. I've been showing up for 180 straight weeks for you and also for myself to stay sober. You have been a huge part of this the entire time. I could not have done this alone, so thank you, and I've never been alone. So here I am at episode 180, and I'm excited, and I know you guys are going to be excited for the future of Recovery Elevator. 
I feel like it's just the beginning. This past weekend, I went to a craft commerce convention in Boise, Idaho. It's basically a podcasting, blogging, YouTuber convention, and it was incredible. I got inspired. Uh-oh, watch out, guys. I recently podcasted about fear, and I'll be honest with you guys. Fear has been holding me back from taking this project to the next level. But I know I'm ready for it, you're ready for it, and it's almost my obligation to serve and take this podcast to the next level. I realized another thing. You guys want me to succeed. At surface level, you'd say that's a no-brainer. But fear in my mind can create a scenario where I'm almost afraid to succeed. And the people that have negative things to say, sometimes I listen to it. What I've realized is you want me to live a happy, sober, and healthy life. And I can say at this moment, I've never been filled with more joy. I've never stood on a more sturdy foundation in terms of sobriety. You guys want me to succeed, and I want to say thank you. I can feel the love. Before I talk about where we're going, I want to talk about the current state. So right now, we have a podcast. Thank you to my interviewees. We're delivering premium free content. People through the podcast find out about Cafe RE. We've got about 460 private members to the private confidential Facebook groups. We have about 70 a month, and that goes up by about five each month as well. Currently, there are two private groups. They are capped around 300 people to ensure intimacy. What's the secret sauce to ensuring the awesome combination of personalities in the groups? Well, I'll share the algorithm with you. On Monday in our calendar, there's an alert that says, this week we put members in Cafe RE. Next week, we put members in Cafe RE Blue. We just alternate each week. So currently, there are two groups. Within the groups, we have webinars. I love these webinars. In fact, last night, we had a member spotlight with Craig, who was the interviewee for today's podcast. It's where a member shares their story for 20, 30, 40 minutes. Sometimes we do webinars where we have industry professionals. We've got a meditation specialist doing a webinar in mid-July. And before I launch the third group, I'm going to launch a forum. I love Facebook. I also hate Facebook. And we've also got two separate groups. They are linked together by meetups and the webinars, but the forum should be a great way for the two groups to converge. And within the groups stems my favorite part of the whole project, the in-person meetups. We've had several people. We've had several people independently organize their meetups, which is awesome. And then we put on a national event as well as the recovery elevator yearly retreat. And actually, before we talk about the future and where we want to go, I want to talk about the team. I'm so thankful. I'm lucky. I'm fortunate to have such a great team around me. I cannot do this alone. We've got trusty Ty who edits the podcasts. We've got Mike in Hong Kong who does the show notes. I have a virtual assistant named Maddie in the Philippines. She's been with me for almost two years. There's a gal named Carrie who helps with registrations and getting people in the group. I've got Corinne who does a great job with book club. She's been doing it for over a year. And I'd like to take this moment to thank these people for their tremendous effort and hard work. But like I said, I'm going to be taking this to the next level. As soon as the forum launches, there will be a price increase. I'm going to be hiring new people to fill new positions to help. So where is this going? What's the plan? (laughs) Well, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. Again, this is all it is, a plan. But I think with your help, with sobriety, with some luck, I think I can pull this off. And like I mentioned, I was the unheard child. I'm the kid who pushes the thousand pound boulder to the top of the mountain. And just before you get to the top, the boulder not only rolls back down, but it rolls over on top of me and goes all the way to the bottom. But I'm the kid that just gets back up. I show up every time. And guys, 
this isn't like determination or pride or effort. Like this is just wired in my brain. I can't help it. In fact, there's times I want to shut this off. I can't stop it, but I'm going to leverage that trait and make it work in my favor. And if I can address the people pleasing skills, we are going to be unstoppable. So moving forward, the plan is to keep doing the podcast. I want to keep doing the recovery groups. In the future, I imagine there will be several groups of 250 to 350 people that all feed into the forum. And here's where it gets exciting. And I know you're going to get excited about this because you've told me. You've told me in emails. You've told me in person. You've said it in the groups. We want more in-person events. And so a platform that is happening behind the scenes is Sober Travel. And about 150 episodes ago, I actually made a go at this. I mentioned it back then, but now I realize there's a lot of other steps that have to happen before that in order to have a full sober travel platform. It's basically a long retreat, a long meetup. Imagine doing itineraries in Costa Rica, in Asia, the Grand Canyon, wherever. In fact, it doesn't matter when you get a bunch of like-minded individuals together. It doesn't matter where we go, but we all love to travel. We all deserve to travel. We're all worth it. And how incredible would it be to do it with other people who want to live a life without alcohol? While I was at the convention in Boise this past weekend, a guy did a presentation who put on Lego Fest. 18,000 attendees showed up for his Lego Fest. At the Lego Fest, they even broke the world record for distance traveled barefoot on top of Legos. If you were to say, hey, Paul, you've got two options. You could travel three quarters of a mile barefoot on Legos. That's the world record. Or go back to day one. I'd actually have to think about that one for a second. Kidding. Legos every time. Well, they have theirs, and we can have ours too. I might be shooting for the stars here, but again, I think the unheard child can pull this off. There's no reason we can't have a conference, a convention, SoberCon, Sobriety Fest, Heart and Soul Works 2026, where there's 15,000 people. Hey, I'm actually dreaming right now. Why stop there? Let's go with 50,000 people. Why not? We recently had a webinar in the cafe area groups, and I just asked, said, hey guys, what do you want? You've told me you want to have fun. You want to have in-person meetups, in-person connections where we recover, but most importantly, we have fun. Guys, I'm having a ball in life right now, and I can tell you that life without alcohol, it can be a lot of fun. And guess what? That's where this is going. We are going to heal on a tremendous scale, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. I hope you're excited because I'm excited. Oh yeah, there's one more thing I want to cover before we get to Craig. I am here to serve this audience. I love it. I get you guys. I'm one of you guys. I understand it. Come at me with your pain points. I get it. I was right there. The struggle is real. I still have my ups and downs in sobriety, but it doesn't even come close to matching the pain I felt while drinking. That time in my life sucked. I get you guys. I'm one of you guys. And like I said earlier, you want me to succeed and I want you to succeed. We are all on the same team. So I am here to serve and I am so excited, but I will not be doing this at the cost of my mental health. That is not going to happen anymore. Haters are going to hate and I don't care. I cannot control that. And I'm no longer going to let that affect me. Well, I'm going to do my best to not let that affect me. I've currently hit my quota for opinions received in 2018. So if you disagree with something or you have something bad to say, 
It's your right to comment. It's your right to send it. But I don't care. If it's good feedback, it will get to me. I will make the change. I've got plenty of people in my close circle letting me know that, yeah, Paul, you nailed it. Or, yeah, Paul, back to the drawing board. But haters are going to hate. This is not specific to creators in the recovery space. This is all across the platform. These are conversations that I had at this conference in Boise with people that had a billion YouTube views, that had huge platforms, and that's what they said. You can't let the haters get to you. I'm sure some of you guys have valid points, but I just don't care anymore because we are going to take Recovery Elevator to the next level. Guys, I'm excited. (laughs) I don't know if you could hear it. Uh, I'm really excited for this project. Okay, before we hear from Craig, let's hear from Cafe RE. And after Craig, I'm going to talk about day ones. But before we hear from Craig, let's hear from Cafe RE. The most important thing I've learned while doing the Recovery Elevator podcast is we can't do this alone. Believe me, I tried for over two years and it was painful. So here's the good news. With Cafe RE, you get access to a confidential and unsearchable Facebook group 24 hours a day. There, you can get instant accountability and genuine connection with others who also wish to lead a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find that being sober is a tremendous opportunity and not a sacrifice. For $14 a month, you can join the conversation, be paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, attend online meetups, attend in-person Cafe R meetups, and participate in book club. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I hope to see you there. Hey, Craig, how are you? I'm very well, Paul. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Craig. I'm so glad I got you on the line. I feel like I know you in person. I've been seeing your posts uh, in the in the private Facebook groups for a long time. It's really good to be chatting with you. No, it's it's great to it's great to be on the the, the, the podcast. It's you know it's it's been such a it's been huge in my recovery. So just to to get a chance to come on is absolutely fantastic. So thanks for asking. Yeah, well, thanks for listening. And Craig, let's get right into this. How long have you been sober? I have been sober for 637 days. 637 days, and you mentioned that was September 21st, 2016. Nice job. How does it feel? Absolutely fantastic. It's, it's great. Second serious time round, um, but you know it's, it's it's completely different this time. It's it's, it's really it's, it's really different. I'm, I'm starting to see things in a completely different context now. So yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Okay, so you mentioned this is your second time around. Did you have a longer stint in sobriety before? Uh, I had nine weeks at one point before my son was born. Okay, and when was your son born? He is, uh, he's coming up for eight in August. Okay, okay. I just took a couple notes of things we will cover later in this podcast. But before we get any any further, Craig, give listeners a little background about yourself. Maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, how old you are, do you have a family? But most importantly, what do you like to do for fun? Okay, I am 40 years old. I live in central Scotland. I am about 10 minutes away from the where the Battle of Bannockburn took place. There's a huge statue to, uh, made out to William Wallace. Um, we, what do I do for a living? I, I measure people's floors for a living. Um, I measure up for floor coverings, carpets, vinyls, laminates. Uh, I'm also a part-time Taekwondo instructor, um, which I get to engage with uh, a lot of kids and uh, local high schools. Hey. I'm married. I've been married for 12 years. I have a 20-year-old daughter and I have a seven-year-old son. Uh, for fun, we like to do we like to do anything exercise-related: walking, hiking, 
taekwondo. Just really anything that keeps us active. Yeah. And you said you're a taekwondo instructor, right? Yes. Have yes. you ever said the words, break the wrist and walk away? <laughs> no, I've not. Do you no. know what I'm talking about? And uh, no, and, and not everybody was kung fu fighting either. There we go. That that is a fact. We covered that in a podcast episode. I'm sorry. When you said that, uh, I just went to the Napoleon Dynamite movie. Have you ever seen that? No. Okay. All right. Okay. Exactly. Sorry about that, Craig. Um, <laughs> maybe uh, I think three percent of listeners might catch that uh, that inside joke. So. Let's move forward. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Craig, so you're 40 years old. Let's let's back it up a little bit. Take a couple minutes, as long as you want, in fact, and give the listeners a little background about your drinking, maybe when you started. What you know, what was it like? Were you a normal drinker for a time? Did you progress in, you know, to talk about the progression? And try to include dates and times when you're giving us a little background. Okay. I started probably when I was about 14. We grew up in the military. Um, my dad was in the army, so we, we moved around quite a bit. Um, so a lot of the time, any any gatherings were all alcohol-related. So alcohol was always there when we were growing up. Um, if there was any, any family get-togethers, there was always alcohol. Barbecues, Sunday dinners, alcohol was always present. So it was always, it was always there. Um, when we were 14, we were, we were living in Cyprus. And if you were doing any, any babysitting jobs for, for any of the people there, you know, they would always leave you a couple of bottles of beer and, and you know, that would be part of your payment for, for babysitting for some of the kids. <laughs> um, awesome. <laughs> we kind of fell in with that. At the time, it was a, a bad crowd. Um, but we came up with a great scheme that if we went around to each other's houses at Christmas, then our parents would let us take a bottle of wine. So we'd always say to the parents, look, we're going around to, to such and such's house, can we take a bottle of wine? And that was it. But we'd never go into everybody's houses. We'd always meet up in the field and we would always end up getting drunk. Um, so we, we did that quite often at the age of, I think there, it was just coming up for That's fifth. a great, you might be an alcoholic if line right there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there, there's a few of them. Uh, I, I think my, my, my first my first time I was really drunk was, I was just under 15. Um, to this day, I still can't remember. I, I think I've lost about three days of my life just through one binge. Your first binge ever? Uh, my, my first serious binge, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was that bad that my dad apparently took me down to the medical center and um, asked him to pump my stomach because mm. I, I was I was that bad. Um, it didn't it didn't get to that stage because if if it went through the medical center, then it would have to go on like a medical record and he could get reprimanded for okay for that sort of thing. So it, it was it was pretty serious from an early age. Sure. Um, I joined the the Freemasons when I was eighteen. Um, and that's always that, that's always been a, a culture of drinking as well. Um, you can go to a meeting and come out of the meeting, and then it's just like basically a, f- a free bar for the rest of the night. Um, you'd go out with so much money in your pocket, you'd come back with the same amount of money in your pocket, but you'd have to be absolutely trashed. Um, so that was an uh, that was an early influence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to start with, I could, I could take it or leave it. To start with, I separated from my mum, from my, my daughter's uh, mum, and I moved back to my parents' house, and then I kind of found a, a new freedom. And I would, I, would, I would usually take a case of beer home with me and just sit and drink that at night. Um, it would start with around about four or five cans, and then it would it would progress. Um, and I think towards towards the end of my, my drinking career, I was, I was about between eight and ten cans of lager a night. And then the bottles of whiskey would come out as well. So it, would, it, it did progress, and it progressed quite rapidly towards the end. So I, th- I think I think it just got to a stage where I just had to stop. And can you can you expand more on what you said earlier? You said take it or leave it. And I recall yep. what that was like because I was a you know, normal drinker, air quotes, for a while. 
and then it transitioned to something different. And what was that phase like for you? And then if you can think about a time specifically, please comment on that when you couldn't take it or leave it. We, you know, but that's like, you know, one is too many, a thousand is not enough. And like the cognitive dissonance of like the, what is going on in my mind? Yeah. Talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. When I was, when I was living with my, my daughter's mom, um, I could, I could go out for a night out with my dad and then that would be us for a couple of weeks. I would, I would have absolutely nothing at all. Um, I could probably go for, probably go for a couple of months without having anything. Um, but then it just got to the stage where I moved back in with my mom and dad. And like I said, I, I had that newfound freedom. And it just got to the stage where it became a habit. Um, I would I would isolate in the house. I, would, I wouldn't want to go out and do anything because I would just I'd just be quite happy just sitting in the house with a case of beer and just and just drinking, watching TV, watching films. It would, you know, it would always get to the stage where there was I, I couldn't do without. I, I couldn't relax or, or chill without without a couple of beers in me. And when did you get? What age was that at when you said you'd be content at home drinking a case? That was around about 21, 22. Oh, okay. This is a while ago. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. So from 21 to, it looks like you're sober at age 38? Yep. Okay, yeah. So fill in the gaps from 21 to 38. Yeah, 21 to 38, I was, I was, I was working hard and I was, I was playing just as hard. Um, my, work has, my work's always been in a sales environment and we've been, we're always greatly rewarded money-wise. Um, there was a crew of us from the from the shop that we always we'd always got the time have a I would, I would I would say a few beers but it always turned into to, to more than that um, and it, it would just progressed from there really um, we would just progress from a couple of nights in the town and then we would think it's it's cheaper just to get a case of beer and just sit in the house and it, it would just it would just progress into just an absolute shitstorm and it would get to the stage where it, it was starting to get unmanageable gotcha. um, I'd probably say from past 15 years when we bought the house again there was there was more freedom um i got married well we, we moved into the house about 15 years ago we got married 12 years ago um but it was, it was just a, it was just a, a really bad habit that i, that I fell into uh-huh. um the first thing i would do is come home and you know I'd open a open a can of beer and then that would be me that would usually be me all night um and progress around about between eight and ten candles cans of lager a night gotcha Gotcha. And do you think it is a habit you fell into, you know, or something bigger than a habit? Hey, to start with, it was a habit, and then it progressed. It progressed into something. Uh, progressed into something that I found very difficult to control. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would start to get anxious if if I was coming home and I, I knew I had, if I, I knew there was only so much lager in the house, I would, I would have to, I'd, I'd have to make a, a pit stop to the local store sure. and make sure, make sure I had enough to to see me through for the next day. Sure. And let's talk about the time you said you quit for nine weeks before your son was born eight years ago. And so that yeah. puts you at probably around 30, I believe. What were some of the attempts to quit? And what led you to the point to quit for those nine weeks? And did you try to moderate anything? And how, you know, yeah, how did you, how did you quit for those nine weeks? Okay, so I ended up in the hospital with a suspected heart attack. And when the, the nurse was taking my, my bloods and hooking me up to the machines and that, she was asking, um, she was asking how much I was drinking that. Um, and at that point, I knew I knew I had a problem. Um, I'd been to the doctors a couple of times, um, you know, just just really sounding it out. You know, could I be an alcoholic if I'm drinking so much? Mm-hmm. Um, and any time I went to the doctors, he would, he would give me leaflets for for Alcoholics Anonymous. Sure. Um, there was never there was never really any any real help that way. But when I was I was in the hospital for a suspected heart attack, and you know, I was explaining to the nurse what I was drinking. I thought, you know, I, I really need to speak to somebody about this, and I just answered them truthfully. I told them what I was drinking. And, um, how it was making me feel, um, and then the, the, the cardiologist came in. He had, he had a chat with me as well. Um, 
he'd done liver tests uh, just to make sure my bloods and all that sort of thing were how I was doing that way. And um, he gave me a good pep talk. At the time, my wife was seven months pregnant and she came in and the doctor basically came in and said, listen, he says, what we were talking about, he says, it's, it's serious, you really need to, you really need to start thinking about stopping. Um, otherwise, you, you will end up in serious trouble. Mm. So that led me to that led me to a nine week stint where you know, I, I just basically white knuckled it. Okay. Um, had nothing at all, and then I celebrated uh, when my son was born, and five, five years later I was still celebrating. Wow! And and do you remember the thinking thought process when you celebrated? I mean, that's that's a fantastic moment in your life. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. Walk us through that moment when you decided to drink again. I I thought to myself, do you know what? I can't have a problem because I went for nine weeks. Let's have a couple of beers. Let's oh. let's just a couple of beers, and then that's us. And then a couple of beers um, progress very very quickly back to back to what I was drinking originally. I can't have a problem. I made it nine weeks. I've Absolutely. had similar narrative in my brain, Craig. I know a lot of listeners can resonate with that. It's our addiction yeah. lying to us in our own voice, and. You know, some of the pitfalls in, in recovery are the happy moments. It, you know, sometimes it, something bad happens, life happens, not to us, it just happens. It's like, oh man, I know that a drink is not going to make this better. But I recall when I crossed the, the finish line last year, I did like a 21-mile ridge run race. The instant I crossed that finish line, just this craving of like, wow, nice job, Paul, just smacked me in the face. And I had to take a couple minutes like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. And so, yeah, I mean, it was like I earned this drink. It's just a slippery, slippery slope. So did you, in, in the following eight years after your son's birth, did you make other attempts or were you just, just going with it? I, I was just going with it. I just, I, 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 would have, I would have the conversation with myself. Look, you know, you really need to cut back. You need to, you need to watch what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going, to end up, you're going to end up back to where you were. I decided to stop two years ago. Um, my son was just coming up for, he, he was just turning six and we went to, we went to Mexico and I think that's when I, I had a bit of an issue. And I think, I think to be honest with you, I, I really had a good drink one night. And I woke up the next day and I thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. I, I, can't, I can't keep going on like this. Um, something has to give. So I went online and I, I looked up recovery, recovery sources and the Recovery Elevator podcast popped up. Hmm. So I started. I started listening to that, and I went right back to the very beginning. I thought. I, th- I think I came in around about episode thirty or so. Okay. But I thought I'm not going. To, I'm not going into that point. I'm going. I'm going right back to the beginning. So I rewound to episode zero zero, and I heard you say my name is Paul and I have a secret, and that hooked me, and I just resonated with absolutely everything that was said on any of the podcasts. Hmm. Um, and that, what I actually done was I downloaded all the available episodes for that, and I downloaded a couple of books, um, and I listened to all that while I was while I was on my all inclusive holiday to Mexico. Um, and I just thought to myself, Do you know what, this, this this is exactly what's this is exactly what's happened to me. Every, everything that you'd said on the podcasts, you know, I could relate to. It. And I think the thing that pulled me through was that sense of I'm I'm not alone. There are other people that go through this. There are other people that are doing what I'm doing and, and feeling how I feel. Wow. Craig, thanks for listening, man. That's that's awesome. And can you go a little bit deeper into uh, that in Mexico, right? Um, you're at an all-inclusive resort. I think that's what you said. You woke up, and so recognizing that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. That that's one thing. But then you need to make a conscious choice. Like walk us through that, and how did you do it? 
we were we were in the swimming pool and my son was five at the time and he, he had this thing he just wanted to sit at the side and he wanted to splash you um so i would i would i would swim away and he'd shout over he said dad come over here i want to show you something so i'd swim over and he would splash again and we'd, we'd done this for a couple of times and sure. i went back and he shouted over he says dad if you come over i'll buy you a beer oh i thought he's five and he's thinking my dad will do this for a beer Mm. So it, it was at that point that you know I made the conscious decision. I, I, I said to my wife, I said, "Listen, I says I'm, I'm drinking far too much. I need to, I need to stop. I need to when when, when I get home, I'm going to get this hauled out of the way. When I get home, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to be stopping for. I think I put a time frame on it. I think I said I'm going to stop for. I'm going to stop for a year. But that that certainly hit at home when he shouted across the across the swimming pool, Dad, I'll, I'll buy you a beer if you come across and let me splash it. Yeah, yeah, it's another. You might be an alcoholic if line right there. Absolutely, for yeah. sure. It was, it, 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 it was hard hearing that, and it was it was hard thinking. You know, this this five year old that, that doesn't know anything about the world, he seems to think that you know his, his dad will do anything for a beer. Yeah, and yeah. It, was, it was it was it was probably it was it was probably right. I mean, that was that was the that was the environment that I was exposing him to. That's that's what he could see me doing, and I I had to think to myself, is this how I want him to grow up? Do I want mm. him to to think that this is an acceptable way of of living? Yeah, in his mind, he's like, what does daddy love more than anything? Oh, he'll come yeah. over here if I offer him a beer. Yeah. But yeah. man, you listened to it. You made the biggest change in your life. Craig 2.0 is well in bloom. Um, but walk us through that process when you got home. I know, you know thanks for listening to the podcast. You mentioned some other books. How'd you do it? Like, What were the other resources you stumbled upon? The main, the main ones is podcasts. Um, I listened, I listened to, to all the Recovery Elevator ones that were available and then I got introduced to Omar and Shane Raymer. Sure. Um, so, so I listen. I listen to a lot of the share the share podcasts. Yeah. Um, Shane quite a bit as well. Sober guy um, podcast. Uh-huh. Sober guy podcast. Yeah. I like I like Shane. I like great the way guy. Met sometimes. Him, yeah. Met Shane in person. Great guy. From the from the share podcast, I've been introducing the other podcasts like the Good Dad Project, um, the you know the Good Dad Project, and the Sean Coxon's quote of the day. So I've listened to a lot of that sort of thing as well. I never, I never had any interventions with uh, things like AA. Um, I basically white knuckled, I white knuckled my whole recovery for the first six months. Pause was quite a, pause was quite a big part of my recovery as well. I suffered quite badly with pause. I've had two, two really bad episodes with pause. Yeah, um, walk us through those and, and tell listeners what pause is. Yeah, pause is the post-acute withdrawal syndrome or symptoms, as you like to call it. Mm-hmm. The, the the side the, the side effects of pause is uh, fatigue, mood swings, depression, anxiety, um, a loss of concentration. Really, the mental side effects of alcohol withdrawal that nobody really prepares you for, nobody really tells you about. Everybody tells you this, that, that, that drinking is bad for you, but they don't tell you, you know, the, the side effects that it can cause if you just if you just come off it. Sure, and a lot of it's. It's systems, mental systems in your brain coming back online, and they, you know, the chemicals way overshoot the mark, and they undershoot the mark, and they overshoot and yeah. undershoot. And it's just, it's just coming back to equilibrium and finding a new homeostasis in life without alcohol, and it, it's hard. It's really hard. And and talk to us about one or one experience or, or two of the experiences that you, that you got through. The, the first, the first one, I was, I was about six weeks sober. Again, I, I just white knuckled everything. I was just, I was just coming home, and I was, I was just going to my bed. I was really tired, fatigued, really grumpy, grouchy. And about six weeks in, I, I thought to myself, I should start to feel a bit better by now. 
Um, so I went to my doctor and he recognised the signs immediately. Um, I mean, he, he, he even says to me, he said, look, Craig, you look absolutely terrible. Mm. What, what have you been doing to yourself? <laughs> and I'd, I'd, spoke, I'd spoke to him a couple of times about my drinking as well. And that's, that's when I said, well, I stopped drinking six weeks ago. And, you know, I, I, thought, I, would, I thought I'd be feeling better by now. Um, and it was, it was actually my doctor that, that explained about pause and, and what it was. My next, my, well, my, my last episode was in October, just before Christmas there. And um, I'd say to my wife, so I, I really don't feel that good. I don't feel, I don't feel here. I don't feel present. And I, I really should, by now, I, sh- I, sh- I really should start to feel a lot better. So again, she booked me into the, the same doctor, and he just, he just recommended that, you know, come back and come back in four weeks. And if, if you're not feeling any better, because all I wanted to do was isolate. I, I didn't want to go to work. I, uh-huh. I was feeling really anxious about going out. Um, I was really uncomfortable just, just, just being around anybody. He suggested that you know, really, the best thing you can do is go to an AA meeting, sit down with people, and just talk talk about what you're going through because these people have went through it as well. He did suggest that you know, after a follow up meeting, if if he wasn't happy the way I was going, then he'd basically be prescribing as a antidepressants and and going through a course of medication. Again, he recommended going to the, the AA meetings and just actually sitting down with people and, and chatting. Craig, it sounds like um, you got a good doctor. First off, most I've doctors asked. have no clue what pause is. They've never even heard of it. And number two, I think the average physician, oh, I'm going to get the stat wrong. I think it's eight or 12 minutes that when you, you know, within eight to 12 minutes, the, the meeting with a primary care physician, they give you antidepressants. So A, like the first time he knew what it was and B, he recommended a, an A meeting. That's really neat. And so did you go to the A meeting? I did go back to the meetings, um, but before he finished up with me, he wanted to look at what I was doing with my recovery, what I was doing and who I was doing it with. And for the first year and a bit, it basically consisted of just listening to podcast after podcast, um, Recovery Elevator, Share, um, Sober Guy, another couple of podcasts that dealt with addiction. And I was reading quite a bit of stuff myself. Um, and what he says to me was, you need to stop. You need to cut back on what you're actually doing because um, what you're doing is you're empathizing with the people that you're listening to and you're actually bringing yourself down. You're putting yourself in a worse place by listening to all this and trying to do everything yourself. So when you go back to your meetings, make sure that you're integrating with people, make sure you're talking to people, and just make sure that you're listening rather than just hearing what people are saying. You need to start paying attention to what people are saying. What he also done was he looked at different podcasts that I can listen to as well. Um, he gave me a couple of motivational podcasts like Richard Nichols' Motivate Yourself. And what he asked me to do was, just select two podcasts that I could relate to. So I chose Recovery Elevator and Share, um, and we incorporate some of the motivational ones into it as well. So just through the different podcasts, I started to listen to different podcasts as well. I kind of I came out of this depression, this, this fog that I was in, and through those, I started going back to the meetings as well, and I started listening with an open mind. Um, and I started to actually hear what people were saying, um, and I, I started relating more and more to what people were saying as well so that kind of brought me brought me more around and it gave me more of a positive spin on what i was doing in recovery um, because for a long time i was you know, i was in this i was in this kind of like this fix that i would never be happy again if i couldn't drink again sure um and i actually started to see these people in a different light i could see that these people actually although they were complaining about how much they were doing when they were drinking they would put more of a positive spin on things. You know, well, not drinking wasn't the end of the world for them. There is life after drinking. Mm-hmm. So there is, you know, we can move on. It's not all doom and gloom after that. Sure. And Craig, let me ask you a question. I, a couple podcast episodes ago, 
I did, the topic was, is knowledge alone to help us quit drinking? So the answer is no, it's not, but it's a huge step forward in our journey. When did you begin the implementation process, right? So you get all these podcasts and number one, you shift your mindset of how you're listening to podcasts, how you're viewing it. But when did you really start taking action and implementing what you're learning towards your recovery? After that appointment with the doctor, um, I started listening to these more motivational podcasts rather than rather than the, rather than the, the depressing side of not drinking. Um, once I once I realised that yes, there's a life after drinking, that's when I started to see things in a different light, and it started to motivate me to think, listen, there are more opportunities out there. If if you're just going to go around thinking it's the end of the world, then yeah, it will be the end of the world. You, if if you start believing that things are going to happen then things will start to happen and just that shift in mindset it just it just put a whole new light on on my recovery um now i don't have challenges you know, I, I don't have problems these days i now have challenges that i have to overcome you know, if, if there's if there's some if i have a problem then i know that i need to reach out with somebody and, and talk that problem through um with the different podcasts i listen to i've actually reached out to the facebook groups as well so i've been in um, i've been in cafe re um, since August 2017, um, but before that, I joined the Share Facebook uh, page. I'm in another couple of Facebook group pages as well. That you know, you can just bounce ideas off people. So, with the doctor saying, "Listen, you need, you need to start listening to people. You need to start reaching out to people as well." It works. Um, a huge mind, a huge shift in the mindset is you cannot do this alone. You have to talk to people. Um, and I was never a great communicator. And I always thought I had the answers to everything. As you know, I, I knew very little. And one of the main things I've actually started to to learn in the past six, seven months is that you have to love yourself as well. You have to be able to talk to yourself as if you're talking to a friend. Um, you know, don't beat yourself up if, if things aren't going the way you want it. That's, that's fine. You know, let's, let's move on and start again. Craig, um, I got to make a comment on that. Those three things you just mentioned, I think those are like the top three underlying themes of the Recovery Elevator podcast in general. And number one, the shift in mindset, it's an opportunity, not a sacrifice. We all play the dialogue in our head. I will never be happy you know, making this life sacrifice without alcohol, but you switch it. It's an incredible opportunity. Second one is you can't do this alone. And the third one is love yourself the entire way through the process. Even if you're on day zero, day one, day 200, you're already worth it. Man, that was awesome. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. It's just, no, it is what it is. And um, again, reaching out to people, if you are on day one, that, that's fine. You're back on day one. Let's, let, let's deal with it. Let's, let's have a look at why you're back on day one. And let's see what we can do to, to change that. You know, it's, it is a recurring thing. Um, day one is day zero. It's, 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 just, it's just one of those things that's going to happen. But I think the, the more that you sit and beat yourself up about it, the more that you're just going to keep regressing back to, to your addiction. Um, my main, my, my, the book that I'm reading at the moment is uh, Tommy Rosen's Recovery 2.0, and it's actually the first recovery book I've picked up since October last year. So I, I'm actually starting to get back into the literature now. And Tommy's uh, Tommy's take on addiction is it's, it's not a disease; it's a dis-ease. We're not at ease with ourselves, and until we can find that ease with ourselves again, we're never going to be free of our addictions. And I quite like that take on things. He also he, he's also huge in personifying your addiction. So you separate your thoughts from your addiction's thoughts. So you, you kind of have these two different people living in the same body. Um, so if, if you kind of have a bad day, your addiction will say, like, let's sit down, let's have a beer. You know, that's your addiction side of thinking. Whereas I would normally say, right, 
had a bad day, let's dust ourselves off and we'll go back at it tomorrow. You know, let's sit down, have some ice cream and move on. Um, so I think personifying the, the addiction is a, a huge tool as well that, that it can be understated, you know, how important doing that sort of thing is. Yeah, absolutely. I name my addiction Gary. It's It's been able to recognize, to be aware of these negative thought patterns that start playing a role. Just saying, okay, yep. is this really legit. And if you think about it for a second, you can actually say, look, this is, this is an unhealthy thought pattern. I'm going to, I'm just not going to let it ruin my day, ruin my life and everything. And I like what you said about this. Uh, you know, he says it's unease. It's this unease in the present moment that we use an external substance on the outside to fill an eternal void on the inside. And, you know, I spent 30 plus years looking for something on the outside to mollify my unease on the inside. It didn't work. And then I started looking inside and eh, then the wheels started to hit the road. Um, and you mentioned the day one stuff, Craig, you've got 637 days, actually add seven more on this <laughs> listeners. We yeah. had to stop this, <laughs> stop this interview halfway through last week, um, due to audio issues. And if you, and if you hear it kind of cutting out right now, listeners, he's in Sterling, Scotland right now. Like this is a pretty cool, but if B like, if there's a couple glitches in the audio, we're all going to be just fine and we're going to deal with it. Um, but yeah, what do you have to say to somebody who's on day one right now? Day, day one's where the adventure starts. Oh, that's, I like uh, it. You, 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 you're day one further than where you were yesterday. Let's let's look at how we can let's look at how we can help you. How can we take you to day two? How can we get to day three? Um, but as I, I don't like cliches, um, I've got a love hate relationship with Alcoholics Anonymous. But I think the biggest the, the biggest take is one day at a time. If it's one day at a time, it can be one one hour at a time, one minute at a time, one second at a time. Let's get you through that day. Let's have a look at what's causing your cravings, how you can how you can avoid the cravings, how you can get through the cravings. Stick your shoes on, go for a walk. You know, just just something simple that's going to help you get through that one day. Yeah, I love what you said. And as far as like the I'm worth it scale, there is no I'm worth it scale. It's not like once I get seven days, once I go to AA and say I got my 30-day chip, once I get one year, one, two years, there's no level because you're already worth it if you're on day zero, day yeah, one. absolutely day 500 it doesn't matter you're already worth it and and you just said we like how can we get you through day one and and craig like you and i we might find ourselves at day one again hopefully that's not in the in the cards but it might happen and if it does we're gonna love ourselves and make it through absolutely you know just uh, beating ourselves up about things just just will not work it's not going to help us um, there was a video today about tough love. A couple of mentioned that tough love. I'm, I'm, I used to have a bit of tough love with myself, um, and it does work with some people. But I think, do you know what? Listen, each each person's recovery is their own. Nobody's recovery is the exact same. Um, what works for me might not work for you, and what works for you might not work for somebody else. Let's just let's just talk about things. Let's see how we can let's see how we can move forward. And you know, we're a community. We, we can't do it without each other. And that has to be the main take that I've had in the past, well, since October. Um, I've started becoming more active in the, the, the RE Blue group. I'm more active in the Share group and the, the different groups I'm in. And just, just being able to hit somebody up and say, listen, you know, I'm feeling quite low today. And then they'll pick you up. People will just send you random texts and like, how are you doing? And, you know, it works for me. So, you know, if it works for me, then I'll, I'll, I'll help. I'll try and help somebody else. Um, so if, if I put a if I put a, a post up on the Facebook page and somebody likes it, I'll send I'll, I'll send them a message just to say, hey Paul, how's, how's your week going? Or you know, just just random callouts to people. What's happening? What, how's your day going? We get some positive feedback from it. Some people just want to be left alone and they just ignore it. That's fine. But you know, if, if, if I can make a difference to anybody's day, then you know, I'll do it. 
Yeah, I saw that in the groups. I mean, it takes you, like you said before we hit record, it takes you, what, like a minute, half a minute to say, hey, so-and-so, how are you doing? I, I love that. Yeah. And then you also mentioned the word tough love. And yeah. I have a sports background. And it, basically sports is like all tough love. Get get up, dust yourself off, keep moving forward. And in recovery, yeah. it kind of backfires. And, and tough love for myself would work for a finite amount of time. Tough love could get me two or three days of sobriety a week, maybe a month. But eventually – you know, there's, there's, there's a self-compassion that is, that is omitted from the tough love. And I think tough love is like a smaller version of the grand scale of how we're treating addiction in today's society. We're basically incarcerating, incarcerating addiction out of people. Um, you know, like, Hey, you have four DUIs, you need to serve a prison sentence. It's just this grand shaming. And I think some tough love is like a smaller scale of shaming is like, look, dude, just like no matter what, stop drinking. And that doesn't really work that way. It just doesn't. Yeah. Some, some people just need to cuddle. Craig, at the end of the day, I think, Craig, at the end of the day, I'm all people need a cuddle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody, because tough love will get you tough love might get somebody a decade. It might not get them a decade in a day. Like everybody, like love is the answers. (laughs) All all you need is love. (laughs) Yeah. Who is that? The John Lennon guy was onto something. Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. And and Craig, looking back on the past 637 days, is there anything that you would have done differently in getting sober process? You know, I don't think I I don't think I would. I think I have. I think I've I've had to go through what I've went through to get to where I am at the moment. I think synchronicity is a lot of things. Um, If I hadn't went to I never play the what if game. But if if I look at things now, if I hadn't went to that doctor's appointment and got that specific doctor, um, I wouldn't have had that advice on pause. I mean, it's, it's like it says, hard, hardly any of the doctors know what pause is. Um, it just happens. That the, the very first doctor I went to, I said, I've got a drink problem. He gave me a leaflet for AA and basically hoppled me out of his office. Mm-hmm. The next guy I went to actually sat down, spent some time with me and explained what I was going through. If I hadn't have, if I hadn't went through that, then you know I, I wouldn't have understood what I was going through. If I hadn't have went to the appointment that my wife had booked for me, then you know I, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have gone to these different podcasts and I, I don't think I'd be in the mental state that I'm in. So, you know, I don't think I would change anything else. Um, I, I think one of the things that comes up is do we, do we regret what we've done when we were drinking? You know, do you know what? I don't regret anything. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed what I was doing. I enjoyed it at the time, but do you know what? I got to the stage where I couldn't enjoy it anymore. Um, something I had to give. Well, the pain and suffering is an important part of our journey because without that, change doesn't happen. So I'm with you. Yeah. It's like the question of what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, that's a fun question. But like at the end of the day, like I'm here because of my journey. And I'm thankful for all of it. I mean, just, yeah. whether I'm thankful or not, it happened. I'm going to choose to be thankful it, just like you. And, and Craig, what have you learned about yourself in recovery? Two things. First of all, I'm good enough. I'm good enough to do this. I'm good enough with myself. And the second thing is I deserve it. I, I, I deserve I deserve this recovery. I deserve what I'm doing, and it's the same with everybody else. Everybody else deserves a chance at recovery. I have to keep telling myself that every day. I am good enough, and I deserve this. Absolutely, we deserve a happy life. We we do, yeah. and we're like I just yeah. mentioned. There's no there's no compassionate scale. Like when you hit this, it's it's already like right now. Right now, everybody yeah. listening, we are worth it as we are in this current moment. And what's on your bucket list in sobriety, Craig? My bucket list. My, my bucket list. Do I have one? I think it's more of a fuck it list. Oh, um, I like it. I think, Let's hear it. I, I think now if I want to do it, I'm just going to do it. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the, the, the frame of mind where if something comes up and I want to do it, I'm just going to do it. Um, coming up at the end of September this year, I'm actually going to lose my job. And do you know what? I'm not, 
I'm really worried about it because I know there's things that I want to do. I don't want to be stuck in the mundane rut of what I'm doing day in, day out. There's things out there that I want to try. At the moment, I'm just going, I'm just going to keep living, living the life I'm living, um, spending as much time as I can with my son. Um, I've got a fantastic wife. I've got, I've got such a huge support network. I, I really couldn't be in a better place. So I'm just going to take it, you know, one day at a time. Um, and if something comes up and we want to do it, we'll, we'll just do it. Craig, sorry to hear about your job, but I love what you said. You're not going to worry about it. And let me look at my calendar. Let me flip it. One, two, three. Oh, yeah, it's three and a half months away. It's not here yep, yet. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Again, go, go, yeah, going back to synchronicity, um, my recovery date was the 21st of September, and the date of redundancy is the 23rd of September. So oh, wow. It's, it's coming in two years and two days after I started getting sober. So um, I think two years ago, I'd be really panicking about it because i'd be thinking you know what? i have no money i've drank all this and i'm in such a negative frame of mind but you huh. know what there's opportunities out there it's, it's something's going to come you know and it's, it's happening for a reason you know yeah. it's, it's happening for the exact same reason i went to my doctors it's happening for the exact same reason i stopped drinking everything's happening for a reason and i'm going to take the positive out of absolutely everything yeah let's just try a quick exercise you and i craig uh, but yeah. on september 21st you lose your job let's focus on the present moment right now is that problem in this present moment? Uh, let me think. think absolutely, think. absolutely not. Yeah, no, I don't think it is. No, me neither. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, cool. That's, it wasn't. I don't have to worry about that today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not on my list of things to do today. You know, yeah. I, I do, do I need to worry about it tomorrow? No, because tomorrow's not game. I've, I've actually developed a good relationship with time. It's, it's something that we can't control. Mm. You know, we, we, we can't buy time. We, we can't get it back. You know, all we have is uh, all we have is a present. And let's let's just deal with it. Every day is a every day is a gift. That's that's why it's called the present. Absolutely. And that's the kind that's the kind of mindset that I'm in. That you know, if it happens, it happens. Let's just deal with it. You know, there's there's worse things that could be happening. Yeah. Okay. Deal with it. And so each problem, there's only three outcomes we can have. Number one, we can accept it. Number two, we can take action, deal with it. Number three, let it go. That's it. That's it. And we're not ready. You don't need, there's no, it's, it's in September. There's no need to do any of those three right now. So just, we are already there. We're not even worried about it. Hey, Craig, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Fantastic. Let's go. Let's do it. Worst memory from drinking Craig. Ready? Go. Not remembering the three days when I was 14. Huh? Interesting. I like it. Not, 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 not remembering, not remembering what I'd done because I was, I was an impressionable age. I was with, I was with a group of peers the same age as me, very, very impressionable age, and I don't know what happened those three days. Um, I, I think the other one has to be um, from when my son shouted more over this swimming pool, Dad, if you come over here and let me splash, I'll get you a beer. And that's what I thought. You know, that's it. It just stopped. So that's my, that's my two worst, two worst memories from drinking. Had enough. Love it, and we've yeah. all heard of the aha moment. When was your oh shit moment indicating that you really can't control your drinking? Before I went to before we went to Mexico two years ago, I'd had a really really heavy session the night before, and I was I just woke up the next morning. I, I thought I was dying the next day, and I thought, you know, what? I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. But at the same time, I had the epiphany that I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. I need I need help. I, I can't I, I can't keep drinking like this. Um, if I do um, it's, it's going to destroy me so you know i need help craig with 644 days of sobriety what's your plan moving forward well let's get 644 in the bag and i'll deal with 645 tomorrow let's just it. take it one day at a time and uh, again synchronicity things happen for a reason let's just deal with it perfect and craig in regards to sobriety what's the best advice you've ever received it was from you've done an interview with hink from hope rehab 
and he says, take the cotton wool out of your ears and stick it in your mouth. Oh, yeah. Hank, I love that guy. Hank, if you're listening, watch you know, that. I, I've 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 got I've got so many the, the the recovery elevator podcast has been so instrumental in my recovery and I've got different podcasts that I go to I've, I've got different episodes that I go to and Hinks is one of the best one because I relate to him so much and and his advice was basically listen take the cotton wool out your ears stick it in your mouth you know just shut up and start listening you know it's the exact same as what the doctor says start listening to people don't hear what they're saying start listening to what they're saying I've got all the accept episodes listed on an Excel spreadsheet on my wall and the first one I saw was Hank it's episode. 106. He's the super tall Dutch guy. Go figure. They're all tall. Uh, he's been sober for six like point, Yeah, 6.5 years at the time of the recording. And he's uh, he's one of the, uh, yeah, a, a worker at the Hope Rehab Facility in Thailand. He did awesome right. interview. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He was good. I, I believe you, Definitely. And what parting piece of guidance can you give the listeners who are in recovery who are thinking about taking this journey? Don't try to do it alone. You, you can't do it yourself. You need you need the community, you need the support, and just reach out to people. Um, if you, if you want to create accountability, you have to create accountability with the right people. It's all fair and well going online and saying right, I want to create accountability, but you have to create accountability with your partners, your boyfriends, your girlfriends, your husbands, just just whatever. Create accountability with your doctors, people that can actually genuinely help you and sit you down and hold you accountable for what you're doing. Um, it's been hugely instrumental to me and it's worked and I know we say it a lot if it works for me it can it can certainly help you it's true accountability is key but it has to be with the right people create accountability burn the ships I love it and before we depart Craig give listeners your own customizer you might be an alcoholic if line oh there's so many you might be an alcoholic if you drank so much the next day that you start going to DTs at 3 o'clock that afternoon Yep. Yeah. That works. Usually, usually does it. Yep. Hey, Craig, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being a part of my sobriety. Keep up the good work. Okay, Paul. Thanks very much. And th- thanks very much for everything that you do. Um, you really have helped me out of such a dark place. Um, and it really does mean so much. So thanks very much. Thank you, Craig. Day one, otherwise known as Get Me the f- Off This Ride. I've met some people that have one day one. Myself, I had hundreds of day ones. Here's the skinny on it. Tough love doesn't work. Tough love, I feel, is a condensed version of how we're treating addiction at this very moment. We are trying to incarcerate, punish addiction out of people. And you waking up in the morning and saying, God damn it, Tina. Holy shit, David. I told you we are never going to drink again. You effing suck. Gosh, that's hard to even say it because it doesn't work. I mean, think about it. It never worked for me. It never did. So if you're on day one, just go slow and love yourself. Because guess what? I love you. Your neighbor loves you. God, this sounds like a Mr. Rogers movie. Which, by the way, you have to go see. But day one, you got to love yourself through it. Like that's, that's the answer through this. You got to love yourself through every minute of day one. And remember, it's the most important day of your journey. And guys, I'm also excited to announce I'm going to be launching a free five-day course. It's going to take you through day one of sobriety, day two, day three, day four, day five. There are going to be videos sent to your email box each day. You can go to recoveryelevator.com and on the front page, you can see where to sign up there. Like I said, I am so excited for the future of Recovery Elevator. I feel like this is just beginning. Recovery Elevator, we took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.